0: as the baby celtics put in the work in las vegas brad stevens is putting in overtime trying to fill out the roster with Jalen set to get the supermax can the celtics realistically add any quality depth three games two losses for the celtics in summer league but the win against the lakers and many silver linings on the court and if you like coaches challenges boy have we got some good news for you and a great episode ahead so sit back and relax Put up your feet, unless you're driving, and join us here in Lucky's Lounge. Let's go. You bleed green. You're right at home here. Captain Ron Flanders, Guillermo Diaz. Guillermo, here it is late Wednesday night, and earlier in the night, it wasn't looking too good. Uh, Celtics were down 10 to the Lakers. Uh, The Souza scores got blown out again. I'm sure you'll tell us about that later, but... Boy, it feels good getting ready to go to sleep with uh, Celtics winning, Lakers losing.
1: Yes, yes. It's always good to beat a Laker team. What a win. Finally, we get a win. You could see it on Jordan Walsh's emotions and his face. He wanted this win. Good to give the Lakers their loss and uh, put one in the books.
0: In the third quarter when the Celtics made their run, saw Brad Stevens they cut to him on the sidelines and you could I'm a very good lip reader and he said I love it. I think he was referring to Walsh's aggressiveness with the three-point shot. We'll get to Jordan Walsh, we'll get to the Summer League Celtics in a minute, but let's focus on Brad Stevens right now and talk about what Brad said during the interview with PJ Carlissimo there. And the ESPN crew, he said, We got to make sure we finish out our roster right. We have a good foundation, but we're not done. And we said that last week. The Celtics have got a lot of work to do. First and foremost, the thing on everybody's mind the extension for Jalen Brown. There's been a lot of debate on Twitter. Twitter's not a good place to go for quality basketball information, but you certainly (laughs) get opinions, and there's a lot of people that have them. First of all, let's talk about what what this could mean for the Celtics and, and what it could mean for Jalen Brown. And then, you know, whether we agree with, with the dollar amounts, I guess that's sort of irrelevant. Isn't it, Guillermo?
1: Yeah, it is irrelevant for me. I, let's just get this done and over with. Let's resign them, make them a Celtic long-term, figure out the money later.
0: <laughs> well, the money is going to be quite substantial. We've talked about this the last two weeks here in Lucky's lounge, but, Jalen Brown can get five years added on to this final year of his current contract, which means he would be in green for at least five, maybe six years. He would be the highest paid player in the NBA, and he is eligible for between 30 and 35% of the current salary cap, a deal that would net him as much as an average of $60 million a year. There's really not a lot to negotiate. I think everybody... believes that he will get that max amount as you and i have said i I think it would show a lot of maturity and commitment on his part to come down to somewhere between 30 and 33 but he's probably going to get 35 what are they negotiating Guillermo?
1: i think there's little things in the in the contract that they may be negotiating he's not eligible for a no trade clause but he may be negotiating a possible trade kicker. I know Kyrie got him got himself one in his deal with Dallas, fifteen uh, percent trade kicker. So if he does get traded, extra bonus uh, and incentive he gets in that deal, and then also possibly the percentage amount like we've talked about. Uh, and I know he's also thinking of things as far as a. Player option on that final year and potentially having more power in the contract.
0: And we saw that player option the last time Jason Tatum extended, he put in a player option. And that's just a smart move from the Jalen Brown perspective. Now, Brian Robb of Mass Live did a very good story on the implications of this contract. Not to be a downer here, but but let's just look at assuming that he takes the 35%, which almost every player eligible for the Supermax has taken 35. We talked about Rudy Gobert, who took somewhere around 31, 32. He was the lone exception. But if Brown takes that full 35%, listen to this. The the Christophe Porzingis deal was a, made official today after everybody yeah. cleared the physicals and the Grant Williams trade. The, yeah. We added on those... $60 million onto the books for Porzingis for the two years after this season. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now if you if you give Brown fifty million dollars for the 24-25 season, 30 million for Porzingis, and then the final year of Tatum's deal is 34.8, that's $114.8 million for those three players alone in twenty thousand in 2024-2025. So that means two seasons from now, our quote-unquote big three will be taking up 80% of wow. the salary cap, and our total payroll for the guys that we have under deal would be at $182 million for just nine players, which puts us flirting with the second apron once we add those additional players. Now, that might be okay in 24-25, and the Celtics may still be trying to trade Malcolm Brogdon, but... Advance one year to twenty five, twenty six. if Tatum gets his supermax. And now Tatum and Brown, just those two guys, will be making 70% of the salary cap. Now you add in Porzingis, that's 90% of the salary cap. So, you know, as Rob says, as if the Celtics ownership is willing to do this, they would be up in Warriors country paying record-breaking luxury taxes and really not having a lot of depth around them. And, you know, the bottom line here is they've got to win a championship or else this thing is going to be blown up. And that's why Jalen Brown is negotiating for the trade kicker because he knows somebody may have to go in a year or two if they don't win a championship.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, I When you lay it out like that, I could definitely see why he's – Doing these negotiations behind the scenes, I know he's had his ups and downs with the city, with the fans, and being the quote unquote number two, as he seems himself as the number as a number one A and B with Tatum. Uh, and then there are three players who have turned down a supermax before too. So we've seen Kevin Durant turn it turn it down with the Thunder. We've seen Kawhi Leonard turn it down with the Spurs. We've seen Anthony Davis turn it down with the Pelicans. So that's interesting. Let's see what again these weeks turn out. They're all in Vegas. I want it to be over with and done with, but let's see what comes of this as we go forward.
0: Well, just to be clear, if you know, Jalen Brown I don't think is gonna turn it down. He loves Boston, he loves the city. And I mean who wouldn't want to be a Boston Celtic? Damian Lillard, apparently, but Jalen Brown <laughs> loves it here. And if he leaves at the end of next season, he can get nowhere near the amount of money the Celtics can offer him. So if it's about money, it's the Celtics. If it's about winning, it's the Celtics. If it's about tradition, it's the Celtics. So I think all of those things favor us, and I think it gets done here hopefully in the next week or so.
1: Yeah, hopefully I'm ready to move past and talk about bigger, better things. Like Brad said, uh, adding to this roster, giving us the depth that we've been talking about and that we need, especially as Summer League closes out and players start to get their two-way deals or cut. Um, There's probably other players, I'm sure, that they're looking at from other teams as we go on.
0: Well, let's talk about, the roster, as you mentioned, because the Celtics have some work to do to add meaningful depth around the big three of Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, and then, of course, the sixth man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White, Rob Williams, and Al Horford. Beyond that, there's not a lot on the roster. There has been somewhat of a lull in the free agent signing as a lot of the main guys have been taken off the board, but there are players to be had out there. And let's take a look at the Celtics roster right now. They have officially now Christoph Porzingis, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, and Derek White. Okay. And then so that's five players. Then Rob Williams, Al Horford, Peyton Pritchard is eight. Sam Hauser is nine. And Jordan Walsh, the rookie who we're going to talk about in our next segment, who, who tore it up tonight against the Lakers, He was signed to a four-year contract, so he's also going to be a Celtic, and he's, you know, he may spend a little bit of time in Maine, but it looks like he might be in Boston for a lot of the year. He's our 10th player, so only 10 guaranteed contracts. The Celtics can have up to 15 players under contract, and Luke Cornett and Justin Champigny are on the roster. They have contracts for 2024, but Neither of those guys are guaranteed. So if the Celtics found up to five more players, those guys could be sent packing, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, and there's some names that we'll talk about that they've worked out. Uh, But I think we have a decent roster. We have decent depth. Let's continue to see what's out there, what fits the mold for the Celtics going forward with this new coaching staff, with this new mindset. The chips all have to be on the table. It's an all-in year. We have to win one in these next two years, definitely in this year. And
0: apologies, I'm a little bit remiss in forgetting to mention the two guys that Brad Stevens did sign, O'Shea Brissett. And Delano Blanton, Banton and Banton played tonight against the Lakers in Summer League, and he he had some flashes. So those yeah. two players bring us to twelve under contract. So three yeah. open spots. If Cornette or Champigny comes along, that cuts into that. But uh, with those three spots, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm I'm not I'm not impressed with Champeny and what he's done over these first few games. I like Cornet. Maybe we keep him, but there are three spots. What do you think the Celtics need to build around and maybe add some of what was lost in Williams and Smart?
1: I think they need more veteran players who have played in the league for, I want to say, at least five or more years, have been there, kind of done that. Players who have somewhat proven, they may not be – great anymore like a john wall who they were who they went to his workout i do agree with you i do like Cornet. he's been with us um had a pretty a good big, year last year yeah he's a big i love when he threw up the bird and was running down the court after making the alley-oop <laughs> dunk um and then yeah champ penny he really hasn't sh- shown what he should have shown i think in the summer league i think we got the wrong champ penny I think the Spurs got the better of the, the Twins. Uh, so, yeah, I want to see more veteran leadership, especially because Marcus is gone, Grant's gone. Let's get some veteran leadership in here uh, who can carry the load if need be with injuries and, again, a long 82-game season.
0: Veteran leadership is is so huge. And I did think that last season Blake Griffin provided – some good leadership for the bench group. He kept everybody loose and he was able at times to come in and contribute when Al Horford, you know, on nights when the Celtics had back-to-backs, he started at center and and did a pretty passable job at times. I don't know if Blake's coming back, but whoever it is, you know, I don't think it's a Udonis Haslam type that we need. I agree that it's somebody who's going to have to play uh, somewhat of a meaningful role and, hopefully somebody with playoff experience. Now, one thing we should point out is that the Celtics will be players in the buyout market. They will be players in, you know, any sort of situation where somebody gets cut and you could get veteran players. I I liken it a little bit to the 2008 season when they were, when Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett were able to, able to coax P.J. Brown out of retirement you can sometimes add a quality veteran in February I, I don't think you want to count on that but the Celtics could do that and, and cut one of these other guys later in the season that's always an option.
1: Yeah I was looking for that last year there were a lot of names I know that we mentioned in our, our free agency list uh, in one of the episodes but That didn't happen last year. They went and traded for Muscala, who played a little bit, didn't really fit what they were looking for. I think they just wanted that extra big if Blake couldn't go. Uh, But I don't want to wait till February. I think they have the options with the minimums. If they have to buy out or cut a Banton or a Brissett and take the hit on those contracts, I think they'll be fine going forward. Yes, they'll get a penalty for it, but I think they have options. Brad will always keep those options open for February. Well,
0: let's talk real quick about the workout circuit. You mentioned John Wall. John Wall, a guy who the Celtics are very familiar with from his days in in Washington and that dragged out slugfest with the Wizards several years ago that went seven games. Back then, John Wall was one of the best athletes in the NBA. Now – He's got a veteran tag on him. He played a little bit with the Clippers last year, ended up getting cut by a team that was starving for playmaking and had a point guard coach in Ty Lue. Celtics were at his workout. Do you see John Wall being a viable option for this team?
1: Yeah, I would like to bring John Wall and have him become a Celtic. We still have Peyton Pritchard who has had rumblings of not wanting to be here due to playing time. And, that may change with the whole smart thing. Bringing trade. Wall
0: here isn't going to help that, right? I mean, right now, right. Pritchard's got some sort of role. We could say that he's probably guaranteed at least 15 minutes a game today. Can, can John Wall do – I mean, he's a better playmaker than Pritchard, but Pritchard's a better player to me right now.
1: Well, he's also on the last year of his deal, so do we lose Pritchard for – nothing at the end of the season or try to do a sign and trade like we did with grant. Um, there's a lot of questions uh, with Peyton Pritchard. And then like you say, you do said as well, are we still trying to move Brogdon in that $22 million contract? I love Brogdon, but again with the CBA and how much our quote unquote new big three are going to take up in the salary. I don't know if he fits with also wanting to keep white and Rob and Al. So we will probably need, yeah, we will probably need another guard, even though we have Banton, we have JD Davidson in the pipeline. I think we need a veteran guard as well.
0: That's an excellent point. And, you know, the reason why the Jalen Brown thing hasn't been inked yet might be the fact that they're trying to move Malcolm Brogdon and they're waiting for other moves at dominoes to fall, because let's be honest, the Celtics knew how much money they were going to pay Jalen Brown. Uh, some of these things they're negotiating, I think they pretty much knew. I don't think it takes this long to negotiate. A couple other workouts, Harry Giles, noted very good friend of Jason Tatum, had a had a workout that people were talking about, was going viral on, on YouTube. Also, um, another Duke player that Jason Tatum is very close with, also worked out. And I think he worked out for the Celtics, did he not?
1: Yeah, the Celtics were at uh, Alizé Johnson's workout as well. Uh, I would like Harry Giles just to appease Jason Tatum. I know we've chatted about that over the phone. Whatever you need to do to keep Jason Tatum happy, you got to do it. He also lost a good friend with Grant Williams. If we have to give Harry Giles, a little two-way contract for this year to keep Tatum happy, I will do that. But he also is a serviceable big man, in my opinion. He's Uh, 6'11". I don't think he's gotten his fair chance in the NBA due to injuries, so I would definitely give a flyer on harry giles if he's willing to take a two-year sorry a two-way contract
0: harry giles could be the the marty mcsorley to jason tatum's (laughs) wayne gretzky i mean that's that's sort of the thing like hey i need my guy with me yes jason whatever you want Final, we got to go to break here but also isaiah thomas it our guy was talking about working out in vegas i don't know if that workout happened can you tell me if it happened and would you like to see it back in a celtic uniform
1: The workout did happen. Uh, I would not like to bring IT back. Only for the reason I know our fellow Celtic fans and how things played out when we had Taco Fall and even Blake Griffin last year. I don't want him to be that commodity where people are chanting. The human victory. Yeah, I mean.
0: Right. These, these. People don't understand how insulting, even for a player like Brian Scalabrini, it's like, you know, no, I'm, you know, especially a guy, borderline Hall of Fame player like Blake Griffin, that that's not what they need. And I think that is very insulting. And I I don't know what he can give you from a defensive standpoint. I agree. It it was a great era that while it lasted, but, but uh, I don't see that being a good move for the Celtics. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about a wonderful thing, the Celtics beating the Lakers in Summer League. And while we're one and two, there's a lot of positives to talk about. So don't go away. You are listening to the official home of Celtics diehard fanatics. You're in Lucky's Lounge. Guillermo, here we are at almost one in the morning here Thursday. Uh, There were two games we were watching last night. One in the Starland Men's League, where the Sousa scorers got blown out by practice squad. And you could talk about that. But, but also, many of you are waking up Thursday morning, you're driving to work, and, and you saw, you checked your phone, and you saw that the Celtics beat the Lakers. Our tweet of the week is actually from the Boston Celtics, always a good day to hashtag beat L.A. with the Shamrock Summer League Celtics, 95 to 90 winners. Guillermo, at least you were one out of two.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely needed that win tonight. Uh, Shout out to the Sousa scores. We battled hard last night and uh, were in the game for most of it until a big showed up for the practice squad and took over the game for them and trounced us in the end turnovers are never going to help boys so we just got to play smart and I'm sure we'll pull out a win soon
0: hey by the way you know to all of our listeners some of you guys are in rec leagues like Guillermo and I are uh, feel free to send us some of your rec league stories or th- you know your rec league teams will mention them here on the show you can hit us up here at lucky's lounge podcast at gmail.com or dm us on twitter at lucky's lounge pod and I got to tell you I mean I've lost count of how many times I've been in one of those games and have somebody show up at halftime or even yeah. in the third quarter. Yeah. Or, you know, you have a team and only four guys show up to start the game. I mean, it's – got to have the love to be a player and, and to sometimes be in these games. It's, it's tough uh, to lose like that. But the Celtics won, and they beat Ooh. the Lakers.
1: Yes. And
0: it was particularly glorious because Las Vegas is a Laker town. OK, and it's essentially a Lakers home game anytime they're playing at Thomas and Mac or, or at Cox Arena there in Las Vegas. And sure enough, you had not a packed house, but you could hear the Lakers fans chanting defense, et cetera. And the Celtics, who were trailing by 10 at halftime, just blew them off the floor in the second half.
1: Yeah, always good to see, again, a, a Celtics victory. We were 0-2, so... Good to get one under the belt. And the Lakers were 2-0, so good to mess up that uh, perfect record that they had. Yeah, at, the guys woke up at halftime. I know me and you were texting, and it wasn't really looking good, but I love that jo- Jordan Walsh brought the energy. We see that athleticism and the grit and grind that he brings that Brad was looking for in the draft. I think he'll actually, I think, be a serviceable piece for the Celtic team, I think, at the end of the year. Again, just some spot minutes. Let these guys get their rest before the playoffs. I can see him being on the court and uh, being a contributor.
0: I am not so sure. I think he will be there in blowouts, and certainly I okay. want to give him as many minutes as possible. He has a regular contract, a rookie minimum contract, but can right. we put him in Maine? I'd like to see him playing in Maine. He showed tonight with a flagrant foul in the first quarter and some of the fouls that he has picked up in these first three games. He is going to pick up a lot of fouls. You know how rookies get officiated in this league. But he does a lot of things well. He's averaging 18 points a game over the first three, which is something I don't think a lot of people expected. And he's shooting threes. He's doing exactly what Tony Dobbins – and the Celtic coaching staff want. And most of all, I think perhaps the most enjoyable thing is he embodies Celtic pride with the way he plays. He says all the right things. I'm excited. I think he has a a future as a Boston Celtic.
1: Yeah, definitely. Everything that we're looking for, I don't like saying it, but in a quote-unquote grant replacement, I can definitely see it there. And maybe, like you said, it's true. It, it's going to take time. We're going to have to build on it. I think him having that time in Maine will definitely help him build his confidence, know some of the rules like the late game fouling uh, on the inbound play. But yep. that'll all come with due time. Same with JD Davidson. He needs, you see how raw he is, and he needs more time playing in Maine coming up with that two, uh, two-way two deal he signed.
0: This has been, and Davidson has had a, a very solid game tonight after really struggling the first two games. And, you know, in the first game, which was against the Heat, I mean, Davidson, first of all, it started off bad because he sat on a milk dud in the bus <laughs> on the way to the game and his uniform got stained. But, you know, he was averaging seven and a half turnovers a game before tonight. Davidson with 11 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists. So Davidson finally showed a little... He's still very erratic with the passes. Yeah. And right now, he's just not an NBA player. He did get one of the two-way contracts. Remember, he was one of two players last night with... or last season, Gale, who's now an Atlanta Hawk. But Davidson garnered one of the now three potential two-way contracts the Celtics can offer. They can offer two more, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's good to have. I like that as being part of this new CBA and with the ability to dress 15 guys. I think a couple guys that I'm looking into and potentially also getting a two-way deal, Jay Scrub has really been playing really well. He had a couple buzzer-beater threes, uh, in this past game. And Azubuki off the bench. Has been really good. I think really serviceable. I think even better than Cabangeli. Was last year. Oleg has not looked good. As the starting center. But bringing him off the bench. I think he's been a spark plug. For the the summer league Celtics.
0: You know. If I had to say today. You know. what, Which players to give those two ways. I would have to agree with you. Jay Scrub, and that's an unfortunate name for an NBA player, <laughs> um, former second round draft choice, drafted out of junior college. He reminds me not only the hairstyle, but also the, the energy and the way he plays. A lot of a former Celtic we used to have in some of the down years by the name of Ricky Davis. Ah. Similar, I mean, a, a left handed version of Ricky Davis, a guy with a lot of athleticism who can knock down the three is supremely confident. He did hit a running one footed three pointer to end the first quarter in this game. He hit four threes. He had 18 points. He also passes the ball. Well, he blocks shots. Yeah. Uh, so I think Jay scrub deserves it. And I agree as the is a former first round draft draft choice of the Utah jazz. He had eight points and seven rebounds in just 19 minutes he throws down some ferocious dunks, and he's got a little bit of a jump hook game there. He, he he likes to bully people down in the paint.
1: Yeah, I like his size. I like him looking at the players after he gets one of those mean dunks. Again, it's against Summer League guys, but I'll take that in Maine, and we'll take that again in that those last minutes when we need to put in the bench. We'll take that in one of the games for the Boston Celtics this year. And like you said, I love Scrub's passing and his defense tenacity. Like, he doesn't give up. He's willing to do the little things. And that's what Joe Mazzullo looks for. So I definitely could see him, again, maybe a little sprinkle spot minutes with the Boston Celtics. But definitely looking forward to hopefully seeing him in Maine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Scrub more than – Walsh would be a guy that you could carry on your roster. Let's remember that Jordan Walsh is 19 years old. Scrub has been around the block a little bit. He's he's played with not only uh, Orlando, but also the Clippers. And so he's a few years older and he's very confident offensively. Walsh is going to always be able to earn minutes with his hustle. And as we talked about a seven foot, one inch wingspan. I mean, he's, kind of a freak in some ways out there and he has a tremendous attitude just a, a a very positive force I think scrub offensively can come in and play right now on the Celtics and not embarrass himself and I agree about Cabangale as a project another guy like Gale, you never know you could never have uh, too much size and so I, I I like that another dynamic it could give you mean, is you
1: mean Azabuki.
0: Azubuke, yeah. Yudoka Azubuke, the former first-round pick from the Jazz. Yes. And if we give Azubuke a two-way contract, that has the potential of really, you know, making our team even more international than it Mm. already is. Because we have Brissette and Banton, who are Canadian. We have Horford, who is from Dominican Republic. Porzingis from Latvia and Azubuque is from Nigeria. And so that, that would give us sort of a more of a United Nations type roster. And that's a good model for winning. The Spurs did a lot of that back in the day.
1: Yeah. I think one of the teams that Brad has definitely been chasing after emulating is that 2014 Spurs team where, like you said, they're international. They know how to play. They play the right way. They do the little things They don't care about scoring 20, 30 a night. They'll do the rebounding, the assists, um, setting those screens, cutting just the little things, those intangibles that you need to go a long way and play as a cohesive basketball team.
0: One thing that I think is notable from these first three games, and if we're being honest, the Celtics have not been good. Over the course of all three of the games that there were some really bad stretches of basketball, both erratic play from people like JD Davison and others on the team, but also just big spurts on defense tonight the Celtics won the way that Joe Missoula often talks about they won in the margins, they dominated yeah. the Lakers in the paint second chance points, they, they dominated in transition. So the Lakers were able to make more three-point shots, at least over the first three quarters of the game, but the Celtics just willed themselves to a win. But over the three games, the Celtics really haven't been good. And one thing that I've noticed is that Tony Dobbins and the Celtics have been playing a lot of zone defense, Guillermo. Is that something that the Celtics and, and Joe Missoula may be tinkering with for the 23-24 season?
1: I don't know if that's something we'll see on the main roster. I wouldn't mind it here and there and kind of throwing a a team off, just going to it, going back to man, going to it, going back to man. I think that's something that some of these younger guys need to continue to work on and possibly we'll see that in uh, on the main Celtics. It's not something I see us doing like the Miami heat did to us. Uh, But with that, I think it's a different look right it's It's something that we haven't really seen. I like the wrinkles that we're throwing out there, and I look forward to again seeing what this coaching staff will bring with little things like that
0: well, one of the things that you know in my my coaching career coaching middle school teams and youth teams always when we when we have them playing a zone which you never want to do too much with young players but to try to show them to have active hands you you say all right set up in the zone and you put the the offensive team up there and then you say all right everybody put your hands out to the side and and they you know and show how much space is taken up right and the passing lanes getting shut down now imagine an nba team coming down into a a a one two two zone or a 2-1-2 zone with Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, 7-3 Christoph Porzingis, and Rob Williams. And just those hands out there. I mean, it would be very difficult to pass over or through those five players in a zone, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. And it would definitely help with how we use Rob in that kind of free safety Um You know, football, but basketball terms when he's floating around and able to uh, move around. But the NBA has become a shooter's league. So we're trying to shoot in a high percentage of threes. What's to say another team isn't going to try to do the same thing against us? And when you have that two, three zone, that's what you're giving up is the three. So it, it would be interesting to see. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. But I just don't think we're really going to tell uh, Tatum, hey, we're going to run a 2-3. I think we'll use our length and athleticism on the man-to-man and the switching that we do really well.
0: Well, it's considered in the NBA a gimmick defense, a junk defense. Ask the Celtics if, <laughs> how, how, how those gimmick defenses work. The Celtics did not go to the finals again because they could not solve Miami's zone. It's true. So, you know, forget about pride. Forget about perception. It's about winning. And I believe, based on what I've seen Tony Dobbins employ in these first three summer league games, that the Celtics will increase their use of the zone. I think Brissett and and Banton were signed with that in mind. I'm not saying we're going to be a zone team. But if we played it 2% of the time last year, and I, I couldn't give you the statistic, we might play at 10% of the time this year. That's fair. We'll be much more active on the zone defensively and we'll be, we'll be better against teams with our zone. We will also be more difficult to zone against with the shooting that Kristaps Porzingis brings to the team.
1: I think it also helps locking in more. Like You have to know where your peers are on the court and where you're supposed to be. So without having Smart to kind of read out what the offense is doing and what he did tremendous job, that might also benefit the Jays, Porzingis, and the defense. So I could definitely see it, uh, and I see an increase on that as well.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see. The Celtics have one more game in the regular slate of Summer League schedule. That's Friday night. Who are we playing Friday night, Guillermo?
1: The New York
0: Knicks. Okay. You know, my (laughs) grandfather always used to say, I don't care who they beat just as long as they beat the Lakers. But second to that is Philadelphia and third is the Knicks. So uh, we got the win we had to have, but Friday night, it will be exciting to see if we can build on this win. And when we come back, Lucky's list, Lucky's hero, and some final thoughts. Don't go away. You are listening to Lucky's Lounge. We'll see you in a second. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. Guillermo and I are very grateful to all of you for listening to the show. Our numbers are blowing up and we want to just thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the word to all your like-minded Celtic diehads out there. And of course, if you haven't already, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, and uh, continue to spread the word. Our heart goes out to the people of the great state of Vermont, who are practically underwater right now, Guillermo, and, and we hope that everyone stays safe and that it stops raining long enough for people to sort of clean up the mess there, um, but but we're definitely uh, we're with you all up there in Vermont. And uh, Lucky's hero today, Guillermo. This time, we're going across the Atlantic to a Celtic fanatic and a 10-plus year veteran of the United States Army. And we're talking about Chief Warrant Officer Juan Bueno, who is an intelligence analyst for the 21st Theater Sustainment Command. This is in a place called Kaiserslautern, Germany. And this is a group that supports all the deploying forces for the U.S. Army in Europe and Africa, analyzing intelligence and giving commanders actionable information with which they can plan. So, Warrant Officer Bueno, thank you for your service. And thank you for all of the men and women serving over there in European command and and all around the world for our great military.
1: Yeah, this one hits close to home. Uh, This is my little brother out in Germany. Super proud of you, brother. Love you. Continue to do what you're doing. Uh, Keep us safe. And to all the ladies and gentlemen that uh, work in day in, day out to keep us safe here at home and allow us the perks of talking about the Celtics, we truly appreciate you.
0: Amen. I just want it on the record, though, that Red Auerbach was in the Navy. I love, I love my Army brothers, but I just want to say that right now. Um, okay, Lucky's List. And let's start with some news out of Las Vegas. If you saw the Celtics-Lakers game last night, because I guess it's it's early Thursday morning right now as we record this, there was a play in the third quarter where our coach um, challenged a pass Made by Jay Scrub that was deflected out of bounds and it was ruled off of Jay Scrub and Lakers' ball. We challenged it, Tony Dobbins challenged it, and it was overturned. In Las Vegas, the Celtics actually have two challenges. This is a, something that has been done on a trial basis this summer league. And effective immediately, the NBA has made two rules changes. Um, The first one, Guillermo, is coaches' challenges. NBA coaches will now have up to two challenges. You get one challenge, and if you are successful with that challenge, you keep your time out, and you get to do a second challenge later in the game. Thoughts on this?
1: I'm all for it. As of now, I'm all for it. As long as we do not slow down the pace of the game, like we, we, we started the transition take fouls so that we can have those transitions and see those highlight dunks. Let's not slow down the game and make it a refs game and go to the camera and go to Jersey and review it and review it. As long as it's not taking up too much time, I'm okay with this second challenge I think it's something that some of the coaches needed. I think some coaches will be really great at it, and some will probably stink at it, but I think definitely that's something Joe needs going forward. I think he was hesitant to do some of those challenges last year, but I am all for the second challenge if you win the first challenge.
0: Well, I am too, but one of the things that you mentioned right there about the delays and how long these games take, I would prefer there are no challenges, to be quite <laughs> honest. But, but since we're going to have challenges, because I don't think you'll ever get rid of the coach's challenge, if you're going to have them, then I like this rule. So you mentioned that some coaches are better at this than others. And I, seeing that this rule was going to be implemented, I decided to do a little bit of research into the, the long history of coach's challenges. <laughs> of course, The first year that the NBA had coaches challenges was 2019, which ended in the bubble in Orlando. Okay, In the first season that there were coaches challenges, NBA coaches challenged 633 times. In the second season, it went up to 648 challenges, which actually might have been fewer per game because there were more games played, obviously, in the 2021 season. Right. In the third season, though, in 2021-2022, in there were 719 oh boy. challenges made. So you see a pattern evolving here. Now, I don't have the statistics from last season, but gradually there have been more and more challenges made by head coaches. The league average for success on challenges – is about forty-seven percent, Guillermo, and the majority of the ones that are successful tend to be like the one we had last night for the Celtics, where it's something like an out of bounds or a goaltending or offensive interference calls. Once you those those ones tend to be somewhere between sixty and seventy percent success because an assistant on the bench can look and see, yep, his foot was on the line or his finger touched it, et cetera. Once you start getting into block charge or foul calls, those are much harder to overturn. And the record of success drops off significantly. Okay. Now in the four year history of this, I looked at the two coaches that their records were available for Brad Stevens and Ime Udoka. Now, Stevens had two seasons of challenges, and actually, one of the only times I've ever heard Brad Stevens cuss was when referring to the coach's talent. <laughs> it was like, "I am horrible at those bleeping things," uh, and he he, I, he dropped an f bomb. The first season, Stevens was successful forty six percent of the time. He was thirteen for twenty eight. In coaches challenges and of course that was the year that we went to the bubble and lost in the Eastern Conference finals. His numbers actually went up a little bit in the playoffs, his second season, and his last as coach of the Celtics. He was only successful on 30% of his challenges. Ouch, He was quite bad on that Ime Udoka however, was much better. His overall percentage was 48 percent success. So Yudoka was much better than Stevens as a challenge. Don't have the numbers for Missoula? Can you what would you guess would he be successful or or not?
1: My guess would be that he's in the lower 40% range, maybe like a 41, 42. Um, so I, I think he had, you know, Damon Stodermeyer, who was his go-to person when it kind of came to those things. But remember, he lost him mid-season. So I would guess he's probably around the 40% range. And then he also was hesitant to use them, so he probably didn't use many of them.
0: No, he didn't. He also didn't use a lot of timeouts and he he seemed to want to save his timeouts, which might be one of the reasons he didn't want to use them. I couldn't tell you the name of the assistant who's there with the laptop, but the way it works is there's somebody who's got a feed from the NBA and he's, he's got a laptop and he's looking and the coach will look over. Of course, the coaches have to deal with their players, right? I mean, if you've got a guy like Jason Tatum swinging his finger in a, in a cylindrical motion. And it's like, yo coach, I, I don't want my third foul. You know, sometimes I remember doc rivers used to joke and say, you know, they're lying to me. You need to know if your player's being honest, there's a lot of ego involved. If a star player could be in foul trouble or you could get another star player in foul trouble, those things uh, tend to enter into the discussion.
1: Yeah. That's something I always caught Grant doing, uh, which would always make me laugh. And it would never go through, but Grant's a talker, and he always thought he was in the right. Uh, so I push
0: emotion plays into it. And Williams was one of those guys. I mean, it's you almost that's one of those guys you just kind of got to ignore in those types of situations. Um, I will say with coach Joe Missoula, the one challenge that we all remember game six of the Eastern Conference Finals in Miami, Celtics up two. And Al Horford, once again, as as happened two years ago and happened this year, Al Horford gets one-on-one with Jimmy Butler. Butler's shooting a three, well, what we thought was a two in the corner. Horford fouls him. And did the shot go in? I'm trying to remember. No. No, it did not go in. And Missoula challenged the foul. I don't know if Butler, you know, threw his body into him or whatever. And not only did he lose the challenge, but when they went and looked at the tape, it turns out that Butler's feet were behind the line. And so the Celtics who were up two at the time had to watch Jimmy Butler step to the line and make all three free throws, which looked like it could end their season. But hold on a second. One thing the challenge did do was, it enabled them to look at the game clock and it added 0.9 seconds to the game clock. And we all know what happened on that final possession of that game. Derek White tipping in the game winner with 0.1. So Missoula pretty lucky with that challenge. Even when he lost the challenge, he won the challenge, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, that was really huge. I know I was standing up biting my nails as I was watching those few plays and kind of wondering what was really going on, right? That's the one thing. Like, it's going to take time to figure out what exactly went on, look in it in review, check the time. That was huge to get those point few seconds back. But also, at the end of the day, Horford, just put your hands up and uh, make Jimmy shoot over you. Don't put your team in that position, but a great, I guess, a great losing challenge for us in getting the time back for the Derek White victory.
0: Well, we'll have to see how this plays out. I do expect with this, with this possibility of getting a second challenge, the Celtics may call more of them. And I look for league challenges to continue to rise before we go to, let me, let me open a Guinness here before we go to item number two. on Lucky's Lounge. And and item number two is another little change. Actually, not so little change. The NBA, and Adam Silver, who seems to want to turn the NBA into the UEFA Champions League, is going with an in-season tournament. It's been talked about for years, but we now finally have it. It's official. There will be a tournament during the season wherein a team will be crowned and given a cup, much like we see in the English Premier League, La Liga in in Spain. Other soccer leagues around the world have these. First of all, Guillermo, how does this work?
1: All right. So each conference is broken up to three different divisions uh, based on last year's standings. And then kind of also a lottery, so we have three groups: East A, East B, East C, which the Celtics are part of. East C, with the Brooklyn Nets, the Toronto Raptors, the Chicago Bulls, and the Orlando Magic. And the West also has West A, B, and C. The games. The the Orlando
0: Magic, also known as our daddy. Um. But uh, people are going, oh, those are easy teams. Don't forget the Magic own us, everybody.
1: Yes, they they owned us like the Pistons owned us the year before. It's always one for godforsaken bottom feeder team that
0: yeah
1: always has our number each year. But uh, So the games start November 3rd, so it'll be some early season buzz in the NBA, which we usually never really get even though we somewhat get because we all want to see the new players with the trades and the signings and the new teams and rosters that all these guys have built. Uh, So it'll be games played Tuesdays and Fridays every week. You'll play against those teams. And as you move forward, whoever has the better record, will move on to the next stage and play the winners of the other groups.
0: So how many how many games is
1: this total? It'll be four games, uh, one against each team, and then moving on to the next round versus uh, Group B or A, and the winners from there.
0: Okay, so and one wild. These card, are all, sorry. so this is an actual tournament, right? Yes, and these yes. are teams that the Celtics would play anyway because they're regular season games. Correct. So they're not playing teams. These they're going to play two teams excuse me, two games against every team in the West, four teams against every team in the Atlantic, and so we've got the Nets and Raptors in there. Um, so this is normal, right? You're going to play those four games, and then after everybody, after all 30 teams have been played four games, then we have knockout rounds. Is that correct? These are actual regular season games that count as regular season games, but if you lose the game, your chance of getting this, NBA Cup ends, correct?
1: That is correct. You move on to the knockout round with the winner of each group and the wild card. And again, it'll still be Tuesdays and Thursdays. And once you get to the semifinals, then those four teams will travel to Las Vegas because the players need incentives to be in Vegas. And then also play the semifinals there and the finals, uh, I believe, on December 9th in Vegas for the okay. NBA world cup. So the incentive for the players is a little bit of money. I guess a little bit for players like Jalen Brown, who may be making 60 a year on average, it'll be 500,000 for the winning team, 250,000 for the second place team, a hundred thousand for the third place team and 50,000 uh, for the others.
0: Okay. Now, just to, to sort of wrap all this up, all of these games, I'm not a fan of this, okay? This is not England. This is not Germany. This is America, okay? I'm not a fan of this. I only think that the, what do they call it now? That It used to be the, the Maurice Podoloff trope, trophy, whatever they call in that NBA championship trophy now, that's what everybody should be playing for, Um All of these first four games and then the quarterfinals and the semifinals still count as regular season games against those teams that you're playing against. Mm -hmm. If you don't make the knockout rounds, you will play two regular season games during the tournament off nights of that week. Okay? And only the two teams in the championship will play an 83rd game. That 83rd game for the cup that is played in Las Vegas does not count against the team's record as you said players get money and the teams get the cup but you're putting you're taking a little bit more tread off those tires for a meaningless game and it's an 83rd game that does not count towards the real trophy so i'm not really a fan of it what are your thoughts
1: I'm also not a fan of it, but I think it's slowly but surely winning me over because of the fact that you have this early season hype around these games. And it just uh, it's something new for the NBA. I trust the NBA and the decision makers. So I am a little bit excited as we move forward. But I also want to see what the players and the teams and how they feel about it. So is Tatum going to rest or we're going to have those Kawhi Leonard rest days? Because Tatum doesn't really rest. But or are we playing Al Horford on the tournament night and not the non-tournament night when there's back to backs? I just wonder how it all really plays out as far as the want and care for the Teams and the players uh, that'll be involved in it, but I it, it is kind of a little bit exciting to start the season with something new, a new little toy as we I go. I mean, you,
0: you trust Adam Silver and these guys, I'm not sure I do. You know, I, I was <laughs> watching like Buck Sexton the other night, and he was talking about how the ratings for the finals were how low they were and how few people watched them. I know that had something to do with the markets, right? I mean, yeah, the, the Nuggets are not a big market, the Heat you know, they don't really have a great fan following. If it was Celtics-Lakers, it might have set some records. But, you know, they used to have in the 1990s and, and maybe, you know, certainly before that, a much larger share of the television viewing audience. The NBA, the NFL's audience continues to grow and ours continues to shrink. And I think tinkering with the game, I mean, this is these are the people who brought us you know, the whole bubble experience and, and, you know, I, the jerseys with, with, you know, different slogans on them and all this stuff. I, I'm not sure that these guys do know what they're doing. And, and as far as, you know, a couple of years ago, the Sacramento Kings won the, the summer league championship. Maybe it was last year and they had t-shirts made, you know, summer league champions.
1: No, they that's got cool. the rings. There's rings now.
0: I mean, that's absurd. And, you know, that's great, you know, if you're a Sacramento King to have that shirt and that ring, but this is Boston, and I don't want there to be a distraction about this stupid cup. And like you said, I mean, we've got players like Brogdon, Horford, even Tatum averaging 37 minutes a game. We got to worry about the real business. So I, I don't mind, you know, playing these regular season games. That's fine. But if we somehow make it to this championship in Las Vegas, I think we should roll out a lineup of, you know, Pritchard, Champigny, Walsh, you know, Cornette. I mean, don't even play the guy because it doesn't mean anything. It's meaningless.
1: I mean, I don't agree with just rolling out the the bench depth in the final game of the World Cup.
0: It's not the World
1: Cup. It's some
0: stupid (laughs) contrived thing that they made up that no one should care about. We are the Boston Celtics.
1: Yes. At the end of the day, I want to hang a championship banner for the NBA. So I don't really care too much about the world cup, but I do like the buzz that it's bringing. Um, And I'm intrigued to see where the players and teams stand with it.
0: We'll agree to disagree on that. You know, again, those, those six games, I want to win all six. If we make it to the seventh game, I want Cornette at center. <laughs> I want I want Pritchard starting. I mean, Tatum, Brown, Por- Porzingis, Brogdon, and Horford all sit, and Rob as well. I really don't care about that game. We'll agree to disagree. Final item on Lucky's list, some weird things going on in Vegas. First of all, the Wembiana watch. Two games in Vegas, Guillermo. One that was pretty miserable the first game, something like two for 13. The second one, he looked generational to me. uh, And in the process, apparently got Britney Spears interested in him and and she had to be smacked down by Spurs' (laughs) security, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, I I love the Wembenyama hype. Um, Yeah, the first game wasn't really showing of his talents, even he said he didn't really know what he was doing on the court, but I think he's going to be great. I'm just kind of scared. I seen a couple screens that he set and you know, that was just against summer league players. So screens that you're setting against some of these NBA vets, I'm kind of scared going forward through an 82 game season. Um, I think some of the young guys, not only Wemby, but some of the young guys who were drafted this past year have looked really well. The the Thompson brothers, I know one of them got injured. Uh, and Keontae George, what a steal for Danny Ainge. Wow. Um, Brandon Miller woke up after those two f- ugly games that he had. Leonard Miller also for the Timberwolves had played really well as well. Um, so some of the young guys are are stirring the pot, and I'm excited to see what they're gonna bring to the season, but the Wemby hype is real. I love it. um, and the Spurs have a great young core now.
0: No, Wembiana is the real deal, and I actually believed you know two years ago against Golden State that we had to win then and that we had to win last year. But now we really do because I think in about three years, the Spurs could be back into another dynasty, potentially with their front office and their management. And this kid who could be generational provided he can stay healthy. One other thing, and we got to we gotta wrap up here pretty quickly, but Damian Lillard, the saga continues, basically said just a couple of days ago that he does not want – he stomped his feet and said, I do not want to go to Boston. I'm not sure we want him in Boston anymore, Guillermo. I don't want him.
1: Uh, yeah, I want players who are – Gonna be here and want to be here. Because at the end of the day, like we said it with Jalen Brown, if you want to win a championship, this is probably your best bet. You've played with some of these guys. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to come here. You already have a a big contract, but I only want players who want to be here. I I'm happy they're dragging it along in Portland. Take it to February, like they did with uh, ben Simmons, do whatever you need to do that's in the best interest for your team and maximize what you're getting back.
0: No, absolutely. And it's being reported now that the trailblazers are confident that they potentially could get a additional first-round pick in the trade in a three or more team deal for Tyler Hero. I know Danny Ainge and the Jazz have long-coveted Hero. So it's looking like a foregone conclusion that Lillard, his 33-year-old body, will go down to Miami and join Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and a trove of picks. Probably all their picks will go to Portland, and they'll get an additional pick for Hero. And Miami will be a contender again. It's plain and simple. The Celtics and every other team in the East are going to have to deal with that. Final thoughts on this one, Guillermo?
1: On Lillard, I I just wanted to be over with. If not, just drag it out and, again, do what's best for your franchise um, for Portland. I think they deserve better. He said he was going to commit to them, and now he wants to flip-flop to do what he wants to do in his best interests. So drag it out.
0: I got to agree with you there, Guillermo. And it was a big week in the NBA. The summer league week is where a lot of the league's business gets done, and we've got another big week ahead. So we want to thank you for listening to us, to all of our people from Stoughton, Mass, all the way out to San Diego, California, Germany, Korea, Japan, all of our worldwide Celtic nation. Thank you for joining us on Lucky's Lounge, and we'll see you again next week. For Guillermo Diaz, I'm Captain Ron Flanders. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.